Our text this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning I am beginning a series of sermons called Living in Light of the Resurrection. If we, what we claim to be true about Easter, that the Son of God died for our sins and then conquered death itself, bursting forth from his tomb on the third day, opening up the gates of eternal life for all who follow him, then there ought to be certain qualities that define his people. And perhaps the quality that should be most evident in Christians is thanksgiving. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen and reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Be careful how you live, Paul writes. Not as unwise people, but as wise Wisdom, I believe, is a lost virtue in our culture. We value so many things above wisdom. Intelligence, knowledge, athleticism, attractiveness, success, wealth, influence, social media followers. When is the last time, though, that you heard a child say they wanted to grow up to be wise? But what exactly does it mean to be wise? I mean, certainly, at least it suggests maturity and insight. One dictionary says that being wise means, quote, having great understanding of people and of situations and unusual discernment and judgment in dealing with them, end quote. But how does one become wise as a Christian. Well, in our text this morning, I think the Apostle Paul is giving us at least part of the answer. The pathway to wisdom in the Christian life is gratitude. Giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, I'm not sure if there's any real way to measure someone's spiritual maturity, but if there is one, it's probably gratitude. Gratitude reveals how much we truly understand the grace and the blessings that we have received from God. It gives us lenses to better perceive the work of God in our lives. It increases our faith and our trust in God. Learning to be grateful accomplishes more for Christian maturity than perhaps any other action or attitude. This is how we make the most of the time. When we pay attention to what God is doing in our lives, the world around us becomes a a different place, a a place of of wonder, of, of opportunity, even a place of miracle. Learning to be grateful is how we shape our attitudes and our minds as followers of Jesus. This is why our family says grace, a prayer of thanksgiving, before every meal together. We are teaching our children to thank God for their food, even when it is less than appetizing, to learn to see it as a gift from God which they do not deserve, so that they might learn to become thankful for all things. For a grateful heart does not happen on its own. It must be cultivated. Because let's be honest, sometimes it's pretty hard to be thankful. After all, life is not always a bed of roses. We all experience difficult times, whether due to an illness or an accident or pain or grief or disappointment, or a pandemic, when it's really hard to feel grateful. There are a lot of bad things that happen to us in life. I mean, does Paul really expect us to be thankful for them all? I mean, doesn't he know how the world is? Well, I actually think it is precisely because Paul knows how the world is and that the days are evil that he says these things. After all, Paul suffered greatly in his own life. And sometimes learning to be thankful is the only way we can endure such trials without numbing the pain with alcohol or drugs or some other form of numbing. It is God's way of helping us through to the other side and transforming the journey along the way. Some of you may remember the wonderful story of Corey ten Boom, the Dutch Christian, who in her magnificent book, The Hiding Place, tells how her family hid Jews in their home during the Nazi occupation of Holland in World War II. After being arrested, Corey and her sister Betsy ended up in Ravensbrück, a notorious women's concentration camp where they were put to hard labor. Miraculously, despite multiple checkpoints, 
they were able to sneak a Bible into their dormitory where they were crammed in with so many other starving, thirsty, exhausted women from all over Europe. And that Bible became their source of hope and strength as an ever-growing circle of women would gather around the sisters each night to hear the words of life, words which transformed their prison. Mysteriously, despite the rigid surveillance everywhere else, the guards never came near them in their dorm. And so their Bible was never discovered and they were able to continue their Bible studies freely. Now, when Corey and Betsy had first arrived in their overcrowded, reeking dormitory, they quickly discovered that the place was crawling with fleas. How can we live in such a place, Corey cried. Well, Betsy immediately began to pray that God would show them how. Suddenly, she cried out that that God had already given them the answer that very morning in Scripture. So Corey found the passage that they had been studying earlier that day and read aloud. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Then, despite Corey's skepticism, Betsy began giving thanks for everything in their awful dorm room. And reluctantly, Corey began to join in. They gave thanks that the two of them were together and alive. They gave thanks that they still had their Bible. They gave thanks for all the women there who would meet God in its pages. They gave thanks for the overcrowded conditions which allowed more women to hear. But then Betsy went too far. Thank you, she said, for the fleas. Now, this was just too much for Corey to take. I mean, there was no way even God could make her grateful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, Betsy quoted. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are a part of this place where God has put us. And so they gave thanks for the fleas. But this time, Corey was sure that her sister was wrong. Then one evening, after Corey had been out gathering wood, she returned to the dorm to find Betsy looking rather pleased with herself. They had always wondered why they had so much freedom in their dorm room, which allowed them to have worship services with the other women. Betsy had discovered why. She overheard one of the guards saying that none of them would come into that room because the place was crawling with fleas. Then Corey remembered back to that first moment when her sister had given thanks to God for those fleas. You know, so often God is at work for our good in and through the very things that discourage us, that trouble us, that, that challenge us, that make us even question God's very goodness. But we are not 
always able to see it in the moment. In his book, The Dark Night of the Soul, Gerald May writes, I must confess I am no longer any good at telling the difference between good things and bad things. Of course, there are many events in human history that can only be labeled as evil. But from the standpoint of inner individual experience, the distinction has become blurred for me. Some things start out looking great but wind up terribly while other things seem bad in the beginning, but turn out to be blessings in disguise. Now, certainly, we all have fleas in our lives of one sort or another. Things or people or circumstances that cause us such grief that we can't imagine how they could ever be blessings in disguise. I wonder, what are the names of your fleas? They have many names in my life. Perhaps the most popular name for most of us right now is COVID-19. And I suspect that many of us have been racking our brains trying to find a way to be thankful for a pandemic the way Betsy was thankful for those fleas. As Corey discovered, it's not easy to give thanks at all times and for everything. And yet, this is what Paul urges us to do For this is God's will for our lives, that we grow into people of thanksgiving. You see, we don't start trying to be grateful when we encounter hard times. That's like trying to run a marathon without training. Now we learn to give thanks every day so that when hard times do arise, we are able to get through them. For it is through a spirit of thanksgiving that the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Betsy Ten Boom did not suddenly become a grateful person when she was put in prison. She had been learning to be one all of her life through her faith and her love of Scripture. And when the face of evil rose up before her, the Holy Spirit rose up even greater through her thankful heart. And she marveled that God was present and sovereign even in a place like Ravensbrook. And if we too want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and experience the power of God in our lives, then we must also cultivate thankful hearts, especially because the days are evil. Doesn't take much to see the truth in Paul's words, does it? I mean, just watch the news or read the paper and it will become quite clear. From the coronavirus, which is tearing up our country, causing the loss of so many jobs and so many lives because people couldn't get the medical care that they needed, to the, the murder 
of another innocent black man just out for a jog in his own neighborhood? To the increase of white nationalism and xenophobia in our country, to the recent mass shooting with an assault rifle in Nova Scotia, to the number of children who go to bed hungry every day in the city of Pittsburgh, to the ugliness and unkindness and hatefulness that has become the norm in our society when we don't all agree, the days certainly are evil. So are we supposed to give thanks to God for all these things? Are we to be thankful for murder and violence and hate and tragedy? I don't know. But what I do know, as Corey Ten Boom discovered, is that there is never a time or a place in which we cannot find something for which to be grateful, even in the midst of tragedy and suffering. But we must also admit that, like Gerald May, we do not always have the wisdom to distinguish between the things for which we should and should not be giving thanks. After all, We are a people who have stood at the cross of Jesus Christ and witnessed the worst that evil can do. And yet, we have also been to the empty tomb and discovered that what appeared to be the triumph of evil was actually love's greatest victory. Easter morning is our promise and our hope that despite what appears to be going on around us, God is not finished yet. And so our thankfulness is not a naive denial of the realities of evil and of all that is wrong in this world. Rather, it is an act of faith that God is still in control and at work in all things for the good of those who love him. And for the things that seem like fleas to us, be they small or big, we give thanks in the hope that a day will come when we can do so as witnesses of the good that God has brought. And I suspect that many of you have already discovered wonderful and surprising blessings that have come as a result of this terrible pandemic. I also know that for so many people, it is hard to see how any of what is happening can be good. And the truth is, there are many things in our lives in which we may never come to see or understand how God was at work. And so maybe again, we simply give thanks in faith and in trust that one day, one day in the kingdom, we will see clearly then what now we only see in a mirror dimly. Regardless, we give thanks in good times and in bad Because we believe that God is sovereign and that not even the tragedies and painful circumstances in our lives are beyond God's reach and ability to transform even our darkest nights into the brightness of Easter morning. 
For if the cross teaches us anything, it is that God can use even the worst of things to bring about good. But it takes the wisdom of a life of gratitude to see this. This is why we continue to gather for worship each week, even if in our own homes around computers and iPads. We come to give thanks to God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to sing and make melody to the Lord in our hearts as we shout, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We are shaping our minds and orienting our lives toward the source of life. And I believe that it is God's will for all of our lives that regardless of where we are or under what conditions we find ourselves, we are to focus our grateful attention on the God who is above all circumstances and who is present and reigning even in concentration camps, even in pandemics, even in each of our own pain and disappointments. And when we learn to place our lives into his hands, knowing that Jesus Christ is risen indeed, and trusting that in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, then maybe, just maybe, one day, we will even become wise enough to say, thank God for our fleas. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.